Hello, this is Calvin Driscoll, and I want to welcome you to the Real Leaders Podcast. This podcast is specifically designed to equip you with godly leadership skills that can be applied to all areas of your life. Throughout this podcast, my dad, Pastor Mark Driscoll, will be sitting down with some world-renowned pastors and ministry leaders to learn what it really means to be a real leader. For more content like this, we encourage you to visit realfaith.com. Now, enjoy today's Real Leader Podcast. Howdy, Pastor Mark Driscoll here with Real Leaders, and uh, I've got some thoughts in my notebooks, kind of a verbal process riff. These are conversations that I've had with a lot of pastors. So the past two years have been uh, an incredibly difficult time for leaders in general, but ministry leaders in particular. Um, You've got everything just polarized by a very contested uh, political season. You've got a global pandemic. You've got some people who are absolutely fearful and others who think that it's all misinformation and disinformation. Um, Churches are being closed by their governors and or attorney generals. Uh, All of these incredibly complicated decisions. And it's been really hard for pastors as leaders because no matter what decision you make, half the people are gonna hate you for, for it and probably go online and social media and publicly criticize you for it. And so what I wanted to talk about is some of the things that I'm hearing and seeing, talking to attorneys, fundraising experts, uh, realtors, um, politicians, uh, denominational and network heads. And, um, and what we're seeing is um, that in-person attendance, and I guess that's what I wanna talk about in this instance is, uh, this would be probably offensive, but um, that's my third spiritual gift, but you can't have a church unless you meet together. Now you could take a break and if there's a pandemic and you take a break, I'm not saying that's a sin or wrong, um, but the Bible says that it's not good to be alone. That's the first thing that the Bible says it's not good. Adam was perfect and he was in a perfect environment, and he was in a perfect relationship with God, and it wasn't good for him to be alone. Well, we're not perfect. We're certainly not in a perfect environment, and we don't have a perfect relationship with God. And if it's not good for him to be alone, it's not good for us to be alone. So God's answer for that, in addition to marriage, uh, is uh, what the New Testament calls the ecclesia. It's the church. And that word for church means assembly or gathering. And it says in Hebrews, don't forsake the gathering together. Getting, don't give up on giving together. Getting together rather. And the Bible says when you're, let's say, doing ministry, uh, praying over someone, anointing a leader, it talks about the laying on of hands. You know what that means? They're less than six feet away. That's what that means. That you're actually doing life in proximity. And, uh, And we need each other and we need relationship. And what happened in the last two years was when people are undergoing some of the greatest crisis of their life, the most hardship and difficulty, they're also isolated and the church is not there to emotionally support them. In my view of the church, I'm a dad, I got five kids. We planted a church in Scottsdale, Arizona together, Trinity Church. I see our family and then I see church as extended family, like aunts and uncles and cousins. And these are people that we do life with. And when the worst time comes, you wanna get with your extended family, wise counsel, encouragement, support. Now you may have strong opinions about vaccines and social distancing and closing of businesses, whatever. Um, Nonetheless, if you just look at it from a practical and biblical standpoint, people need to get together. They need to get together. And so what we learned during uh, COVID is 
the past two years, most, most churches and ministries, it was like a single lane highway. So they're doing in-person, on-campus, in-room ministry. And then boom, we wake up one day and uh, our governor tells us, uh, hey, uh, your church is closed, everything's closed, schools are closed, restaurants are closed, businesses are closed. So most guys, you know, shazam, congratulations, we're all televangelists. Now you gotta find a camera and lighting and you know, some young guy in Converse high tops to edit your stuff and try and put it on the internet. And so then everybody goes online and does church online. And I, it's a good platform, not being super critical, but let me say this, there is no such thing as church online. Um, there can be ministry online and there is lots of ministry online. So I've got real faith, which is a ministry. This is part of that ministry. I absolutely believe in ministry and you can do ministry online. You can pray for one another. You could share content. You could put out Bible teaching. I'm for all of that. But church and ministry are two different things because a church does have ministry, but a ministry is not a church. And, um, and so ultimately, a lot of people then went from just being that single lane highway live, they shift everything over to online, 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 and trying to get it online giving up and trying to get you know your weekend service up and when do we broadcast and do we do it live? And all of a sudden, it's this whole new technological skill set. Well, for rural churches and for set up and tear down churches, they're dead. Because if you're a rural church, you don't have a good internet connection. If you're a set up and tear down church, rental facility or a theater or school, they just close your building. Well, how, now what do we do? Now I gotta go set up a studio somewhere. All gets very, very complicated. So then everybody puts a lot of their energy into online. And then we're told, okay, you can open up your building again, maybe with social distancing, maybe with pre-registration. I'll give you my opinions on all of that. And the answer is no, but nonetheless, uh, however you decide to reopen, so then they abandon the online. Well, but then there's another outbreak. So then, okay, now we need to shift from in-person because we've been closed down again over to online. And, and what happens is uh, this is like somebody driving a car and they keep going from lane to lane. Everybody in the back seat's getting car sick. They're like, are we meeting? Are we not meeting? Are we open? Are we closed? Are we social distancing? Are we not? Are we pre-registering? Are we not? And the key to leadership is just to find God's will and then courageously march forward in it. But what we found was when everybody went online, um, at first, the data that I got from most of the platform heads was about a third of people were watching, Christians were watching their church online. About a third of Christians now are quote unquote shopping and they're like, well, I can find better online content than my local church because there are places that specialize in that. And then about a third of Christians did nothing. They just did nothing. Or those who profess to be Christians, whether or not they are, Jesus knows, I don't know. Over time, what they found was the percentage of people who were faithful online to their local church, that shrunk from a third to less. They started shifting over to other platforms and content providers, and actually the number of people doing nothing kept growing. The point is this, uh, getting together for church is where we stir one another up to love and good deeds, the Bible says. Um, so in our backyard, we've got a fireplace. It's uh, winter here in the Valley of Arizona. It's cold at night build a fire. And the only way the fire works is if the logs stay together. If you just take all the logs and separate them, you don't have a fire. They all burn out. You keep them together and then they, they mutually ignite one another. And the same happens in church. We get together and we're encouraged and we borrow passion and we borrow faith and we hear of God doing some 
good work in someone else's life that gives us hope for our life or our family. And the point is this, if, if, you know, if we're all trying to keep our fire going and we're not together, uh, it's not gonna burn very bright and it's not gonna burn very long. And that's what happens. So now the churches tend to be reopening. And if you're in a city or a country that's still closed, I'm sorry, I mean, we've been rolling normal at Trinity Church for two years and we're up and to the right and we baptized 400 people last year during Romans. I mean, a lot of things may be closed, but heaven is still open and uh, the supply chain may be broken, but the salvation chain ain't. I mean, there's still, people need Jesus more than ever is my belief. Uh, but what we have found is um, when churches do reopen, they're not bouncing back. And so um, I was talking to uh, an attorney and I shared this in the previous uh, Real Leaders episode, but 15% uh, of churches are dead. Now, whether or not they've kind of brought out the doctor and time of death is Tuesday at 247 and actually somebody has the legal authority to call the time of death, it's debatable whether they've all done that. But 15% are pretty much dead, meaning... They're not gonna make it, they haven't made it. 40% could go either way. There's still, there are those people that are in that 30% attendance pre-COVID and they're like, ah, I, I, you know, maybe we can get up to 40 or 50% and survive. One thing that is prolonging and extending the shelf life of some churches is that right now the economy is just sort of flush with government money. And so what we're seeing is, most churches are running 30 to 60% pre-COVID attendance, but their giving is higher than that. And this may actually, if you think about it, it could undermine that pervasive myth in, in evangelicalism of consumer Christianity. Well, people are just consumers. Well, if they're giving and not attending, it may actually undo that whole myth of consumer Christianity because attendance in most churches is lower than giving pre-COVID. So 15% are dead, 40%, to be determined, could go either way. They're in that 30-ish, maybe 40, 25% pre-COVID attendance. 40% um, are surviving, so they're in that 40, 50, 60% pre-COVID attendance. Um, and most churches, the majority that I'm hearing from nationally, are in that 30 to 60% pre-COVID attendance. And again, only 5% are basically even or above where they were pre-COVID only 5%. And so what we're seeing, however, is that churches that stayed open or were open longer, their attendance is higher. That as they continued with um, more normal, were open, doing life, being Christians, uh, people acted more normally. And as other churches were throttled or closed for an extended period of time, some of those Christians found the open churches and they're not going back to their old church once it opens, they're staying at that church that was open. And, and as a pastor or leader, you can be offended by that or frustrated by that, but at the end of the day, it's like, when I needed you most, you weren't there and somebody else was, and if they were available to me, why would I not be loyal to them? It is a reasonable request. Um, in the same way, if your uh, dentist or doctor was closed for a year or two, um, and you needed to go to a dentist or a doctor to get the help you needed, and then your dentist or doctor reopened, you're like, well, I got a new dentist, I got a new doctor now. I built a new habit, I built a new relationship. They were there when I needed them, and so I'm loyal there. And so that's what we're seeing, um, however, is I think going forward, what you're going to see is an increased demand for in-person gatherings and meetings. And... Um, what we're not seeing is an enthusiasm around the building of big rooms. It used to be, you know, certain churches build a big room today. I don't know anybody building a big room. 
And I don't know anybody who was looking to build a big room that has not pivoted and thinking a, a smaller room is a better idea. Uh, in addition, a lot of the multi-site churches, quite frankly, are struggling. Um, they had in-person gathering with video and then they closed for a while and people got used to watching a screen online. Well, why get in the car and drive to watch a different screen when you can just sit home and watch on your own screen. So the multi-site churches, especially the video-based multi-site churches and the big rooms, those are all in uh, a process of to be determined. I'm not saying there will never be a big room again, but most of the big rooms are running 40, 50, 60%. And it's really hard to justify that much real estate, that much staffing, that much expense when it's half empty. And a lot of guys were thinking, hey, we'll just wait for the bounce back. It's been two years. And if you haven't bounced back yet, I hate to tell you, it probably isn't happening. My wife, Grace, is standing over there, and Grace and I have been married 30 years, and if she didn't come home for two years, I wouldn't just be sitting there thinking, I can't wait till she comes back and we pick up where we left off. I would think, I think our relationship has made an adjustment and I need to deal with reality. Um, and so a lot of the multi-site churches are looking at selling their buildings, downsizing their campuses, and or selling their big room and taking their primary leader and communicator, moving them to one of their other campuses, selling the big room, and then reallocating the resources to keep the other rooms open and available. I'm telling you, everything is in play. Everything is very tenuous. And even some of the biggest churches in America previously, and I won't use any names, these are people that I love and stuff, a lot of them are running 30, 35%. And so, their reality is very, very, very different. But I think it's an opportunity, number one, for innovative, creative leaders to ask, okay, what does the future look like? And what I'm telling you is, your church building being open and your people gathering is essential. They need that. And that means if you've been renting a building, you need to find a way to buy one so that someone else is not controlling whether you're open or closed or what your policies and procedures are. In addition, um, Churches that did open, but didn't open with full kids ministry, it did not go well. If, if, if mom is at home with the kids and she's having to homeschool and life is upside down and events are canceled, and then it's like, hey, you can come to church, but we don't have anything for your kids. Mom is not excited about that. And so the churches that tried to half open without childcare, it didn't work. The churches that did open or stayed open whether they were live or video that I am seeing, that actually attendance bounced back. They had smaller governance boards and structures with a clear leader. We talked about that last episode. They tended to stay open as much as possible or not close altogether. They kept their room open and they tried to keep as close to normal as possible and be emotionally or relationally available to do ministry to people. And then also they created a hospitable environment so that when people came, it was fun for the kids and there was food and there was activities. And the church became the place that finally something felt normal. Something felt like reality. Uh, there was one place that we could go to, an oasis in just a swirling vortex of chaos uh, where we could take a breath, we could worship, we could be with God's people, our kids could have fun. And so uh, at our church, we did bouncy houses and swimsuit summer and junior interns. And, and we just said, you know what, let's be the place that families can come and that kids can actually have a life. Because it's been horrible to be a kid. And we don't have any idea the psychological implications of this few year experiment on children. Isolate them, force them into intense 
extended amounts of screen time, reduce their socialization, get rid of their sports and physical activity, put a mask on them, put plexiglass around their desk. Whether you think that's a good idea or not, the truth is, Emotionally, psychologically, it's been a really hard few years for kids and their parents, starting with mom. And so one of the things that we're learning about the church post-COVID, I think you're gonna need better hospitality space, better kids space, better connecting space. You're gonna need to keep your campus open for people to come and congregate. And I think people just more than ever, they just wanna get together in a room with other human beings and they wanna do in-person life together. And so we may be making a return to that church's extended family, highly relational, life together. You could call it old school or you could call it ecclesia. We hope today's message impacted you and they will continue to bless your life and legacy for generations to come. For more Real Leaders content, visit realfaith.com slash real leaders. And to sign up to get Real Leaders content straight to your inbox, visit realfaith.com slash sign up.